Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. We are live again for the second week in a row at Lake Monster Brewing. And tonight, to my right, you can't see him yet. He's out getting his beer. But it's Thor Nystrom of NBC Sports Edge. We're here to talk about NFL draft prospects as they pertain to your Minnesota Vikings. So go grab your beer, take a seat, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. I am your host, Matt Anderson. Tonight, I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Ortega. Ryan, how are you this evening? I'm doing great. Happy to be here live again at Lake Monsabury here in St. Paul, enjoying a great rare species number one one of their newer beers that they have here in stock, um, Hazy IPA, very delicious. So very happy to be here. Our, uh, our, our, our uh, guest of the hour, uh, has, is, he's come back. He's got his beer, um, and we'll, we'll get him set up on the headset. But it is, uh, you know, I'll wait. I, I gave him the pre-show, but I'll wait till he sits here. Um, I'll let you guys know what I'm drinking tonight. Tonight, it's an insanity pale ale here from Lake Monster. Uh, I think I've had it a few weeks in a row now, um, but it's fantastic. I really like it. In fact, uh, Dave, you'd probably be a little jealous. I got I got two of them actually. Uh, I don't want I don't want to leave during the show this week. So, um, well, it, I'll, I'll be leaving for sure because you know. Can I, you hear? I can hear. All right, all right, perfect. Um, tonight, the guest of honor. It's Thor Nystrom of NBC Sports Edge. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing well. Good to see you boys again. It is it is fantastic to see you. Um, it's been a while since since we since we hung out, and we got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. I got some names here, um, so I, I want to preface this show and shows moving forward um, up until the draft. I. I am not a, a draft expert by any means. Um, I will defer a lot to my guests in the coming weeks on that stuff. So I have a little bit of a notebook here, uh, and I'm going to be taking some notes, and I'm going to be learning along with the listeners uh, about some of these draft prospects. So tonight, uh, before we get into it, I want to get your guys' thoughts on the recent Viking news because we are a Vikings podcast. Um, Patrick Peterson announced tonight on, on his uh, All Things Covered podcast that he's going to come back to the Minnesota Vikings. Ryan, what are your uh, what are your takeaways from from that? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's, a, it's a good signing uh, at this point in time. I mean, uh, we're, we're at a spot now in the free agency period where there's 
lesser and lesser options being available for us to be able to sign. Um, I'm still waiting to hear the deal because, again, like all deals that we have, it's really important to understand what the, the parameters of that deal is, what are the specifications of that, and what the um, what, what the impact on the cap looks like. So, you know, our last signing that we had here with uh, Jesse Davis, obviously that looks like a little steep, right, in terms of what that's going to cost us per what his – I think his skill level is at. Uh, but and then looking at uh, from last week's show, we had uh, Zedaria Smith. And his deal seems to be a really, really strong deal, at least in year one. And gives us a lot of flexibility to get out of that deal in two and three. So what originally looked like a $14 million deal really looks like a good, um, you know, over the average, really is, is a solid deal over the first two years. So, you know, depending on what Patrick Peterson's structure looks like, He's a good veteran corner, probably a CB2 at this point in time in his career. Um, that's going to be able to be a great mentor for hopefully a, a couple draft picks that maybe Thor is going to walk us through in terms of quality um, and, and, and see, what, see what we can do about teaching these young, young guys uh, how to do it. Well, yeah, so, so I, when I messaged Thor about coming on the show and, and kind of figuring out like what we were going to talk about, I think I, I, I geared towards like offense right like I, I was like let's let's talk about some some offensive linemen some wide receivers tight ends running backs you name it but uh that doesn't mean we can't talk about defense um in some of those players so i mean thor you are a a vikings fan uh, a kansas fan as well so right. uh but also a vikings fan and um so so you always have some investment with the vikings and in this patrick peterson move uh does that change um kind of your opinion on on how the Vikings are going to go, especially at pick 12? Not, not very much, honestly. I, cornerback is still an enormous need, right? I mean, you you look over the roster, even with Patrick Peterson there, it's still an enormous need. I, maybe it's not – you don't feel like you have a gun to your head to take the cornerback now, but I would think barring someone dropping that was extremely unexpected available at 12, I, I would still expect a cornerback. So I was looking – your last mock draft, you had uh, Trent McDuffie going to the Vikings at number 12. Can you talk to us a little bit about him? I've, I've heard that, um, well, at least in one of our chats, uh, one of our fellow Climb in the Pocket members thinks that uh, he has T-Rex arms, is, is, how he, <laughs> is how he kind of described it. Yeah, he's sort of like the uh, the cornerback uh, version of, of uh, Tyler Linderbaum in this class, where it's like you don't have many questions about his evaluation until you take the ruler out. And it's the arm length thing on, on both those kids. With uh, McDuffie, it's under 30 inches. And historically in the NFL, that that is a problematic threshold for sure. Um, it's just that I've seen him shut out the lights on all the stud Pac-12 receivers over the past, not just one year, two years, but the past three years. He shut the lights out on everybody. Really difficult to throw on the kid. He's built really well. I mean, outside of the, the short arms, um, really well-fortified kid. And he'll come up and help with the run. I, I do think there is manifestations of the lack of length. Uh, he 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 misses more tackles than you would like. And I think it's not for a lack of trying or a lack of willingness. I, I think it's some of those times he just doesn't have a big enough net. Um, but I mean, he can jam guys at the line. Um, you know, he's a very physical player and he certainly has the athleticism for it. So I, for me, he is cornerback too. Uh, Derek Stingley is to, to me, I don't know how you can put Derek Stingley in the same breath as Trent McDuffie, you know, a guy that Derek Stingley only had one good season in college. It hasn't been since 2019 when he, he was on a historically dominant team. Of course, they had the great offense, 
which made you know their the opposing offense is more predictable because typically they were throwing from behind. And then LSU had all the awesome edge rushers as well. He was in an advantageous situation there. That was the one season where he excelled. As a sophomore, he was not good. He was a part of a whole bunch of coverage breakdowns. And then as a junior, he had the the torn foot ligament, which which is now uh the what, what's the word I'm with, with him the the foot injury. What's that called again? I'm Lens Frank. Liz Frank, Liz Frank, Liz Frank. I was I was blanking on the word, but now he got the Liz Frank thing. So it's uh, it uh, th- that's problematic long term uh, potentially as well. You, you have to be comfortable with his medicals if you're going to pull the trigger on him in the top half of the first round. Certainly, maybe even in the first round period, I wouldn't do it if I was the Vikings. Too many questions. Uh, how? So obviously, you had Trent McDuffie going to to the Vikings at twelve. Do you? How can you calm? fans nerves about that pick potentially because I've heard a lot of people say that that's that's a reach at 12 because there are guys like sauce Gardner right uh booth is the other one right Andrew booth um you know trade you know obviously a lot of people are re- like really Jones in a trade back and you know take an Elam or a booth or even a Kyler Gordon or uh what was that, Roger McCreary I mean I think all of those guys are kind of in that same category um, so what, what are your thoughts like there of that group? The guy that intrigues me the most is, is Elam. In fact, Elam might end up being my CB three. I, I haven't finalized those rankings yet, but I, I like, I would take Elam over Stingley. Elam was better over a longer period of time in college. He has the exact same length. I think he's better technically more value player. And he doesn't have the injury concern. So I, I don't know why, like why you wouldn't prefer him to Derek Stingley coming out of the same conference. What, um, you know, so, you know, you, you're, you're harshing on my mellow a little bit because I like Stingley a lot. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of concerns there with uh, the lack of growth over the last two years, as well as just that injury. Obviously, any foot injury, especially for a cornerback, is problematic, of course. Um, when, when, when you look at some of these other guys like Elam, again, I, I don't like to be a PFF, you know, like observer, you know, purely looking at PFF grading and, and telling me, you know, how good a guy is didn't score well last year uh, in the PFF ratings. You know, what, 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 what concerns can we look at from that perspective uh, compared to like a Roger McCreary who scored really high. I think he was like 89 um, and, and was facing the probably, you know, very close to the same competition. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think as far as Elam specifically, that whole team became a dumpster fire last year. The, the well, team, it is Florida. Yeah, like, and but really, really fell off. And I, th- there was all sorts of issues there that were going beyond Elam, you know. So, like, he definitely played down with the situation around him. But, I, I you know, again, I, I still think the, the long-term building blocks are there. And, and I think you, you just look at it apples to apples as far as a data perspective. I still think he stacks up very favorably against Derek Stingley. Um I, I just think he does. You can put last year up against the sophomore season and then the rest of Elon's body of work, I, I, I think is superior. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, off, off of the defensive uh, uh, conversation here, in your other mock draft, it was the same mock draft, but it was round two. You had the Vikings taking Ed Ingram, a guard out of LSU. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? And then we can transition to the uh, – the offensive side of the ball for, for the rest of the evening. Yeah. I, you know, the Vikings, as we all know, they, with their offensive linemen, uh, you know, at least recently they fetishized the athleticism with the offensive linemen. Um, maybe this group won't be 
quite as ridiculous with their thresholds as the last one was. But I, I still think that this is a group zone blocking leaning that, that is looking for athletic offensive linemen. You certainly need at least to come out of this draft with one interior offensive lineman. I would argue they have to come on day one or day two because you have at least one starter hole to fill, if not two. Garrett Bradbury at this point should probably be considered a waste of a pick. So if, if center was was open for business as well, I would be certainly happy with that. But you've got to fill one of the guard spots at least. And if you don't do that, you're putting yourself in an even worse position with Bradbury, I think. Sure. You, you mentioned center, right? And, and and you also mentioned Tyler Linden. Was it Linderbaum? Linderbaum, yep. Yep, you mentioned him earlier as well. Yeah. Uh, 12, probably too big of a reach to grab somebody like that? Or, or is that a... Is that okay? Like, is he is he that type of player that the Vikings could be confident in taking a center at twelve? I I would be comfortable taking him because he's he was one of the best. Well, last year he's, he's coming off the most historically dominant PFF graded season of all time. He also had the the most dominant run blocking season of all time for a PFF center. I and and, and when you know a situation around him, you know that it was all the more impressive because the rest of Iowa's offensive line was way way down this year in c- contrast to past years where they had. You know, Tristan Wirfs and Alaric Jackson, some of those guys around him. This past season, the offensive line really cratered. But Linderbaum just shined throughout. This is a guy who did not transition to center until very late in his playing career. Um, it was after, his, you know, at the very end of his first season at Iowa. And he, he moved to center and he immediately excelled at it. Uh, a prodigy is, is the word that, that comes to mind. He, he obviously was a great wrestler in high school. He pinned Tristan Wirfs in the, in the heavyweight fights and, you know, in the Iowa prep ranks. And he took the center very quickly, perhaps because of that, perhaps because of the, the grappling aspect of it or the body's emotion aspect of it. But for whatever reason, plus, you know, including a very good athletic profile, which you, you can't not mention if you're going to mention his short arms. He, he's a fabulous athlete. I, I think between that and being a prodigy grappler, I, I think those are the things that made him a great center in college. He ain't got shit on Creed Humphrey. I can tell you that much. But what- Creed Humphrey dropped like a rock last year, and I didn't get it at all. Like I, I had him as a first round prospect. I didn't understand how he felt to that late second round. He wasn't injured. He had been an All American twice. Like I, I didn't get that one at all. But and, and uh, obviously, all jokes aside, I just got to defend my Oklahoma guys. Um, quick, quick <laughs> shout out to all the all, all the listeners right now. Um, we're seeing your comments. A lot of good content in here. Really much. I really appreciate you guys being here tonight. Um. Is Linderbaum like in the in the same echelon as like a Quentin Nelson? I know they don't play the same position, but like Quentin Nelson was was one of those guys where it's like, wow, we're really going to take a, a guard this early. But through you know his career in the NFL, he's proven to be like that stable like anchors mainly used for a tackle, but anchor on the offensive line. I, I think if Linderbaum didn't have the length concerns that he does, because it's a similar threshold thing as, as McDuffie, and I think if you didn't have that. You could absolutely put him in the same category because, in my opinion, at that point, he's literally can't miss. The, the only thing, again, that, that you can question about him at this point, it's the, it's the length of his arms and then sort of the historical precedent that that puts him with, with how few players have played, you know, all pro football at that position with those length of arms. Well, and, and, and just looking at the value of a center position and, and, and where you can find, you know, better talent or not better talent, but equal-ish talent later in the drafts versus um, a receiver, a cornerback, an edge rusher um, later in the drafts is typically harder to find quality talent. So can you speak to that a little bit? Like, is he worth breaking that um, that, that that theory of, you know, you, you don't take interior alignment until rounds two, three, four? I think if you think that he's a prodigy, and I, I happen to think it, that he's basically on that level, if you don't it's, it basically comes down to this. Do you think the arms disqualify him or do they not? 
do they do, do the does the arm length matter or does it not? Because the people that think that Tyler Linderbaum's a, a prodigy, they do not think that that is going to affect his NFL success. The people that do, they're using it as the thing that begins their evaluation. This is a short arm guy, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that that leads everything. So there's two different camps on Linderbaum for sure, and I would be decidedly in the prodigy camp. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so obviously Linderbaum, great prospect here. We have other interior linemen that, you know, potentially could be looked at in, you know, uh, with our, with our second round pick, uh, or if we trade back, you know, there might be other guys as well, like Kenyon Green. Um, and, and, you know, I think somebody in the chat had mentioned Cole Strange, who's like an up and coming prospect. And, and Cole uh, Strange, he, he fits the athleticism thing. Even at Ingram was, you know, I think he was 65th percentile or whatever. Cole Strange, it's, he, damn near the top of this class in terms of athleticism for an interior line. So you would fit it. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. I'm a big fan of um, and, and not Zion Johnson. Uh, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on him? I mean, he might be there with our date with our second round pick, you know, center guard. I mean, I know he's played tackle as well. He's very versatile. What are your thoughts on him potentially joining a, in us in the purple? I think it would be a great fit. And, and I like the point that you made about his position versatility, because where the Vikings are right now, he would provide you both insurance against Garrett Bradbury's continued failure, for lack of a better word. Well, you can begin his career at guard. So if the Bradbury thing became bad enough or the new coaching staff was like, we cannot go forward with Garrett Bradbury spending every game in Kirk Cousins' lap anymore, you could easily shift Zion Johnson into center. But otherwise, he could just be your year one starting guard. Uh, I, I do have some other uh, some offensive line names that, you know, I've just lightly heard about um, and I, I kind of want to get your opinion on them. I, I was listening to a, a up the other morning while I was at the gym with uh, Mel Kuyper and, and Todd McShay, and, and they brought up a guy, uh, Dil- Dylan Parham out of Memphis. Yeah. Uh, he's a guard. Uh, what's your ranking on him? And, and um, you know, would he be a good potential fit for for the Minnesota Vikings? As far as like true centers, if well, if you count, okay, so if you count Zion Johnson as a center, uh, then he'd probably be number three um, because you put him behind only Linderbaum and Johnson. Um, he, I mean, he and he's another guy. Athleticism is there. He's on the smaller side, but you know, for, so for the you know Vikings fans, we're talking about a couple of centers that are under three hundred pounds. If if that's if that doesn't concern you, the rest of Dylan Parham's game should encourage you because he's a very good football player. It's just. Does he have enough sand in the pants? Is, is his evaluation question? What what like at, at the moment in time? What are we March thirtieth? So we're about a month away from the draft. Is he like a day two pick, day three pick? I would expect him to go on day two. Yeah, I, Parham. I would expect him to go on in in round three. But I, I think you know late second round, round three. That's where I, I think his range is going to be. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do have a, a couple other offensive line names here that I, I want to get your opinion on. You, you've talked about Ed, Ed Ingram. You've talked about Dylan Parham. Um, Alec Lindstrom from Boston College. I guess it's it's another center for us, and I we're we're kind of trending down that path of maybe Bradbury is not <laughs> not the answer here in Minnesota. But yeah, uh, what, what's your thought on Alec Lindstrom? Yeah, I mean he played a, a ton of football in the ACC. Um, years and years he he has started there, and he's an athletic kid. He was better in 2020 than he was this past season. Um, his game dipped down a little bit, but I, I'm still pretty bullish on him uh, long term, and. Uh, I, well, I was going to tell a story from the combine, but I don't know if I actually want to tell it. Hey, man, it's up to you. Well, actually, I can tell it. Right, whatever. <laughs> this is live, so if, if you can retract still if you want. One, one day, one day, I uh, I tweeted out that uh, 
<laughs> I tweeted out that uh, um, I, I was at the combine. I went to the bathroom and there was a prospect in there during the offensive line benching session. Do, do you remember this tweet? Yeah. <laughs> there was an offensive lineman in there taking a pee before, you know, he was in like his NFL combine attire or whatever. And he did not have, he was barefoot. He was at the urinal barefoot. And uh, anyway, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say who that person is, but um if you think that that that, that the conversation, the tangent that we just came off of, might it give you a clue as to who it is? That <laughs> I, I would blame it. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, Ryan went and stepped out for a second to grab a beer. We're still on the conversation of offensive linemen here. I have one more name that uh, that I, I have not got Thor's thought on, but do you have any other offensive line names that, that we want to quick chat about? You know, uh, so there's a couple of guys that I think to your point uh, or to my point, And then, you know, you emphasize that of Zion Johnson and his flexibility. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of guys that kind of fit that mold. I feel like in this draft, you have and, and you may have talked about them already, but like Dylan Parnum, uh, yep. Luke Fort, I, Fortner. Is that yep. how you say his yep. last Fortner. name? Yep. Um, and and um, uh, Tom, I forget his first name, Tom. Uh, Zach, Zach Tom. Oh, Zach Tom. Uh, yeah, from Wake yeah, Forest, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's been playing left tackle. He's played, he's got like over a thousand reps at center, over a thousand at uh, left tackle. Um, how important, one, is how important is that position flexibility or does that concern people because of the fact that they haven't focused in one area? Number one. Number two, of those guys, who's your, who are you going to bet on, on, let's say, with our third round pick? So... You know, as to the first one, no, it, it doesn't. Um, th- there's nothing about it that concerns me. I think that the added versatility is, is only a good thing um, because there's not like, you know, for instance, like in um, with, you know, Traylon Burke sort of, you know, he's a, a skill position player that gets sort of this criticism of, you know, ma- how do you say master of how do you say that? Uh, of, but nothing of like yeah, master of none. And yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> However you say that, because like at Arkansas, you know, sort of like with Rondell Moore at Purdue and LaVisca Chenault at, at Colorado, they had he was by far their best offensive player. So they would force him the ball into all these different situations where he never got he was never allowed to just focus on outside receiver. And that's what more or less what he projects to as the NFL as a starting outside receiver um, with with offensive linemen. I, I think that's less of a, less of a thing. Um, you know, it's, it's more of an isolated focus and there's similar things that you're doing um, with the Vikings. I, I think the the versatility that would matter to me is the center to guard versatility um, and not just the assumption that they can do it, but that you've actually seen them excel doing that um, because of the Bradbury insurance, like I said. But with, with the team right now, you got O'Neal and you got uh, Derisaw. So you, sh- you figure you should be set at, at tackle. Um, the interior is really where you, you, you need some help. And I, I think that's where the versatility I, I would look for. Yeah. Um, we got we got a couple questions for you here in the uh, the, the chat. Yeah. Uh, Dave, can you bring up Joe's comment again? Is that is that possible? Um, Ooh, this is like a deep, deep trash looking question here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Does that name? I don't even know how to. I, I would butcher that name if, if I had to pronounce it, but do you know that person? Wait, wait, where is it? Uh, it was Corey, Corey Holt. Holt, a guard from Nebraska. Kearney. Kearney. Oh, God, no. You, 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 no, I, I have we not seen this tape. Yeah. Hey, congratulations, <laughs> you, you Joseph. You don't, you, don't tr- uh, you don't stump Thor very often. <laughs> I know this guy puts in a lot of work. I'm looking over at his spreadsheet right now and his – very intense. So I you don't know, even know if that kid's in there. So, so how, how do you spell his last name? K e a r n e y. 
So I don't think I don't think he's in there. But I'm going to give Joe uh, a, a little shout out here. Up. I'll look him up. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give Joe a little shout out here. I saw a comment earlier where he has uh, he wants us to take Nick Benito. Okay, defensive yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, Thor, of, I told you I like he'd try and bring it back to the defense <laughs> out of Oklahoma. Yeah, and no, I, I, like I have Benito. to I have to bring it back, to, bring it back to Oklahoma. Because, I had to bring it back to defense because that's where all the good prospects from Oklahoma are, are at. They're, none of them are on offense. So, um, yeah, Benito there. So yeah. I'm going to give a little shout-out to Joe there. But, you know, let's get back into this offensive line here. Uh, uh, Matt, you had a one I, more? I only have one name here, and, and, and I'm going to butcher the last name. Uh, I'm pointing at it, and I'm hoping that Thor Luke, just picks oh, it up. Luke Forner? Yeah. Yeah, Luke Forner is a good football player. He, okay, he, okay. Like, yeah, I mean, like, if, especially if you get into – I know something. Especially if you get into day three <laughs> and, and they have not uh, yet addressed the interior offensive line, I think Forner from Kentucky would, would absolutely be a guy that they could look at, yeah. So you're saying day three pick then, huh? For, I think so for Fortner for me. Is he is he primarily a center then, or, or can he play guard? I, I think he would have more positional versatility than – certainly than, for instance, Dylan Parham. Like Fortner 6'4", 300, Parham's 6'2", 285. You can't play Parham at guard, in, in, in my opinion. Okay, okay. I, I thought Parham uh, uh, weighed in heavier at the combine. He might have weighed in a little bit heavier than that, but man. He, I thought I read like 311. I could be wrong, though. I, I could definitely be wrong. It might have been somebody else. Yeah. Um, regardless, yeah. I mean, I, I've been taking Fortner, um, I, I, trading back in round three in my mocks. And, and taking him in early round four. That, that's a guy that I really like based on the tape I've seen. Of course, I'm no expert like you, though. Um, let me take this moment here to uh, just remind the guests. He, he did 311. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, a, little, that, a little bit bigger than I thought he was in it. Guests that are, uh, that are listening on the podcast or here at, on YouTube, uh, we are here for a second week in a row at Lake Monster Brewing here in St. Paul, Minneapolis. We all have our, uh, our trusty beers in front of us. Uh, I'm in, I'm still drinking the Insanity Pale Ale, but if you're looking for a great beer and a great time, you can head on over to Lake Monster Brewing in St. Paul, Minnesota, because they make their unique versions of classic beer styles by putting their own subtle twists on the flavors of craft beer drinkers have come to love. Ranging from, ranging from esoteric to approachable, subtle to over the top, their beers adhere to the philosophy that there's always more to be discovered. I'm going to dive in real here, real quick. So obviously we talked about offensive linemen. Uh, we have Ben Brown here in the comments asking a little bit more uh, uh, information on tight end. So nice little transition here as we move along to, through the offensive prospects here. Um, tight ends, obviously, I, I, in my opinion, and again, I'm going to defer to you, it seems like a relatively deep class, not very top heavy. Like uh, there's no guy that's probably going to go round one, or if they do, it's super late in round one. Uh, but definitely some Good quality talent here. Um, who are a couple names? Obviously, some of the big ones are, um, you know, Trey McBride, uh, Jalen Weidermeyer. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. Um, and 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 Jeremy Rucker. And there's uh, Isaiah Likely. I know those are some that just come to the top of my mind. Who are some of your favorite prospects, especially with what what you know Kevin O'Connell would probably like to do with tight ends in his offense? Um, well, I don't think so. I- you know, as, as far as that, like, I, I know that they're going to manufacture a lot more touches for, for Irv going forward. My, my question with that, is, you know, visa, I mean, if we're going to talk about the Vikings tight end, vis-a-vis that is, is Irv going to, going forward, is he taking the third receiver off the field? Or are you going to try to force him to be an inline tight end? Because I don't think that Irv Smith is an inline tight end. So, like, I, I think that's the first thing that you have to decide. And if, if you want Irv on the field at all times, but you also – but you don't think he's an inline tight end. You want an inline tight end in your offense. You, you almost have to 
to pick an inline tight end. I feel like he's gotten better as a blocker, though, hasn't he? I mean, over over his over his NFL career, I feel like he's created better as a blocker each year. I think when you put him up against guys that aren't going to physically manhandle him, that he just can't block. Yeah, he's, he's going to give you effort, but he's a he's a blocker that I want more. He's an H-back blocker. He's a guy that blocks quicker guys in space. You know, like that's I want him clearing guys out. You know, whether it's from the backfield or whatever, as opposed to being in line and have to go up against, you know, one of these, you know, Miles Garrett monsters or whatever. We we talked about Irv Smith uh, a month ago, you and I, when we were uh, out having some beers, and, oh, yeah. and you are not as high on Irv Smith not Jr. On Irv. as uh, no. as many other people. No, so, I'm not. Um, is there a tight end in this class that you're like, well, let's let's go get him, and and, and that'll be the Irv replacement potentially? Well, not necessarily a replacement. My, my only issue with Irv, I understand that he has a utility, and I understand that he has skills. Again, it's just he is not an inline tight end. I I think if you put him at inline the entire season, I I, I think he's going to get I think he's going to get manhandled more than you like against some of these stud edge rushers. I would rather have him as as sort of the age backy guy again. You know, and that's sort of what the offense was before. I think that was the intent of, of drafting him when he had Kyle Rudolph was to take the third receiver off of the field. Is that going to be viable for Kevin O'Connell? I, I don't know. You know, and, and if it's not, then what do you do? But I, but that's sort of what I'm thinking right now because I just don't think that he can hang at inline tight end for a 17-game season. I just don't. I, I, I have a few tight end names uh, here myself. And yeah. it, 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 Did you guys already talk about Trey McBride? We, I mentioned well, the name, but we didn't actually yeah, we, no, we, we, we didn't, didn't dive in. Yeah, we didn't dive into him. So why don't you dive into Trey McBride? So yeah, uh, he I've, is I've, that I've, inline guy that you're you're looking for, right? So I've had one full beer, so pardon me at this point if I if I start face out a little bit, like two or three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. As uh, as far as McBride, he's the most skilled uh, receiving tight end in this class, and he's he would certainly be more suited to inline than Irv. He's not your sort of prototypical inline guy. Um, you know, more just because, you know, it's the receiving utility and they line them up all over the place. They line them up in line. They, they line them up in the slot. They line them up a wide. Sometimes they line them up in the backfield. Um, and then basically they did to him the tight end version of what Arkansas did with Traylon Burks, where they just forced the ball to him. And they had this. We're allowed to swear, right? Yeah. Yep. So they had this shitty quarterback and the shitty offensive line and. And really, this unimaginative coaching staff. It's I was a, expecting a better, better word than shitty. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I just I don't know if I could say. It. So, so like, I mean, Trey McBride had to sort of fish out all these ducks that Tots and Tao was forcing to him or whatever. And then defenses, every single game that he went into, he was the marked man because Colorado State didn't have any anyone else to give the ball to. And so he, I mean, he was double teamed down near every single time. Um, and he, he wasn't done any favors by his supporting cast. I think he's a really skilled receiver. He's not an out of this world athlete. I do think you can you can play him at, at in line. Um, I, I would like more having the flexibility with him to move him around and do different things, which with Irv Smith on the roster, I'm not sure is possible because there's a redundancy of skill set in, in some ways. Sure. Okay. Um, one of my favorite tight end prospects, I have him. So sometimes I rate prospects based on like what they've done. And sometimes I race on or uh, rate them based on projections. Right. Yeah. And I feel like Jalen Weidemeyer is that projection where I feel like he could be an elite tight end in this league. If he can get the proper coaching, he's very raw. What are your thoughts on Weidemeyer? Well, so Weidemeyer's tape in 2020, it's funny, you know, it's, it's talking as Vikings fans because in 2020, when he was working with Kellen Mond, I would have like, I, I, I forgot if I did tight end rankings coming into this season, but if I didn't, Weidermeyer would have been either one or two for me. Um, 
just because he acquitted himself so well in 2020. I thought he was really smooth as a receiver. Um, he can block for sure. Um, what killed him was he was down in 2021. That wasn't necessarily his fault. I wasn't going to ding him for that because Texas A&M's quarterbacks were way down, even though I'm not a big Kellen Mond fan. But going from the fourth year of Kellen Mond starting to, you know, a, a redshirt freshman or whatever, like they, they were down to this kid named Zach Calzada that they basically ran out of town right when the regular season was over. And so Weidermeyer's receiving played way down. But what is probably going to be the death knell for him is his testing. He tested in like the 12th percentile athletically, which it, it, it's not, it doesn't guarantee that he doesn't get taken, but it almost assuredly guarantees that he's going to, if he does, it's going to be sixth or seventh round. So if he is an inline guy, so but if you don't mind as much the, the lower athletic profile, if you're the Vikings, you could take him as sort of an inline prospect, probably better than Chris Herndon, to be honest. But, uh, um, you know, I mean, outside of that, the, uh, the athletic profile, it's, it, some, some view it as disqualifying. You just had to just, shank us a little bit with the Chris Herndon trade again, huh? <laughs> We're done with them. It's a fourth round pick. On. Yeah, that's uh, right. Somebody in the chat, and I actually have this on uh, on my list as well, but uh, Charlie Kohler out of Iowa yeah. State. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, Iowa State, it was a, it's a really fun uh, college offense because they, they always have multiple NFL tight ends and then they're, they're multiple with their use of them, which is one of the ways that Matt Campbell has been able to mitigate a lack of offensive line talent over the last couple of years. And you've seen he, he, now he's sending his second running back to the NFL in the last couple of years, following David Montgomery, Brees Hall being the guy in this class um, uh, running back one. But as far as Kolar, like he, he's a very, very good blocker. So he would fit what we're talking about. He is the prototypical inline guy. He's a very good blocker and he has pretty good hands too. It's just w- with him, you're not going to get much more than the short stuff as far as throwing. Um, I, I don't know that he has the athleticism to threaten down the seam in, in the NFL consistently, but the rest of it, short area, inter, you know, closer in the intermediate area. And then as far as an inline blocker, I like Charlie Collar a lot as a day three sleeper. He reminded me a lot of actually Kyle Rudolph when I was watching him. I mean, a better blocker, I think, than Rudolph was, yes. uh, especially coming out at a Notre Dame. But... Probably a better blocking version, but not as athletic. You know, not as athletic as Rudolph was. Rudolph was a pretty fluid mover. Kolar doesn't move that well. But, I mean, similar dimensions, and Kolar is the better blocker. Kolar's a pretty crunching blocker. Like, he's got some pretty good reps of just wiping people out. If my boy Carter's watching this, you're loving this because he's a big Iowa State guy. Well, I went to Iowa for for graduate school, so it brings me no pleasure. But uh, Brees Hall is my running back one as well. So I guess, you know, some love for the Cyclones on this show. Um I guess when we when we talk about this show and what we're going to talk about, we didn't really talk about quarterback because well, Kirk, Kirk Cousins was extended. Um, I, I can't see them really investing a day one or day two pick on a quarterback. But yeah. uh, Raymond in the chat here tonight does. I mean, do you know about the quarterbacks that are not top five? Yeah, that, that would be dark horses like QJ Perry, uh, Bailey Zapp, or Jack Cone. Okay, so e- okay, EJ Perry from Brown. Um, I. Oh, he got me. Oh, so I, I comp him to Taylor Heineke. Um, he's his, his college stats were not the best. Even, so he likes kicking indoors, is what you're saying. <laughs> even, even the advanced ones, but he's a smart kid who scrambles around, makes good decisions with the ball. And I think in the NFL will be, be, be able to shuttle, shuttle it off to guys up to the intermediate area of the field. He ain't going to beat you downfield in the NFL, but as far as a guy that if he's called upon can sort of get the offense by, that's where I would take EJ Perry. I think EJ Perry is probably going to be like a, round six pick by somebody 
maybe even round seven. Um, I, I wouldn't mind a dart throw on him. I, I think he was quarterback 11 on my uh, quarterback rankings that dropped today at NBC Sports Edge. Very good, very good. Yeah, and yeah, there, I, I feel like they're very top. Well, no elite quarterback in this class, at least you know, based on what we see today. Obviously, you know, Malik Willis looks great, and and I'm, I'm I am very hopeful for him. But you know, no standouts, right? No clear number one picks. Um, but also, there's not a ton of depth either, right? Like you either have your guys. I mean, depending on how you rank them, right? But you have your guys basically from Malik Willis through Carson Strong, based on my rankings. That includes you know Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett. Uh, uh, Matt Corral and, and the rest of those guys. And then there's a big drop off except for Bailey Zappi. So walk us through a little bit of Bailey Zappi. I think he's probably going to be that fourth, fifth round guy. Yeah. Um, what does he bring to the table? I, I see him as a career backup, but does he have that ability to kind of push for that low end starter? I think he's probably going to be a career backup too, but he's, he's probably the top of the class in, in this one. When you're talking about like the, the backup prospect that can get the offense by where it's you're not dreaming on Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi today is what Bailey Zappi is going to be, and some of it's going to play at the NFL level. I, I don't know if it's going to be a ever a top 25 quarterback in the NFL, but if it settles in right between, you know, 30 and 50, by definition, he's going to be a very good backup. And, you know, and, and, and if he gets himself in the right situation, he might even run into a, a starting opportunity. But he's a guy who his frame is very similar to Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel, he, he reminded me a lot of Chase Daniel when, when I saw him in Mobile. His, his arm is a little bit more live than I thought it was going to be, but it's not. He doesn't have a bazooka or anything. It's probably going to be about NFL average. You, you would want him in a spread air raid uh, sort of leaning system, or, or at least that has um, you know elements of that in, in in their scheme, because that's the stuff that he does. He's not going to beat a defense with his legs. Not going to beat it with his arm. Um, it, it's going to be he outprocesses the defense. That's how he beats zone coverage. That's how you know everything like that. It's not with velocity. It's with his brains. And so I I, I think that's where a team like that that needs a backup. I, I think he's a long term option for them. I feel like I'm not giving you enough time to drink your beer. Um, that's okay so so i'll, I'll, I'll get to it I'll, I'll give you a, and, and someone asked about I, I i saw a question about the six seven virginia tight end that's jelani Wood. i like jelani woods a lot you know a, 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 as a sleeper he's a guy who's super duper long and he gets up you know i was talking about how kolar is not going to in my opinion he, you know he has a lot of utility but one of the things he's not going to really quickly threaten that team jelani woods is the guy that threatens the team he gobbles up yardage ridiculously fast both because he's athletic just in you know just as a, a human being or whatever but also because his <laughs> legs are so long you know so he has both these things and he he gets on top of the linebackers and the safeties much quicker than they they that they think he's going to and he's also very smooth with the ball his ball skills are very smooth he'll pluck that ball out of the air and he'll still be chugging up field so I, Jelani Woods is a sleeper who, who coming into the process um he started to hit some alarm clocks based on his athletic testing he, he kind of actually reminded me a little bit of uh, Jared Cook. Yeah. In, in the way that he moves and in, in his style of game, it, it kind of reminded me of that. So. As far as the movement and, and the, the skill as a receiver, I, I could see that. Um, I wasn't going to talk about him tonight, but I, I did see his name pop up in the chat. And I know that we have a friend of the show, obviously. One of your very good <laughs> friends, uh, Tyler Fournette. Oh, Tyler. Um, but, but I saw some Carson Strong shit in the chat here tonight. And so I yeah. just... Tyler's boy. Just yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. Did you say Carson Strong or Ryan Mallett? <laughs> <laughs> so if, if if you could just uh, 
tell the fans about Carson Strong a little bit before we uh, we move on to wide receivers and running backs. Yeah, he's he's interesting because he's got a big arm. In my opinion, he's got a, he's got a top three arm in the class. He's an air raid guy. Um, and he was very prolific in college. Yeah, it, very prolific. I, I think there's a lot of things to like about him. The, the arm strength, the ability to drive balls into windows, the ability to beat zone coverage, playing forward with the arm strength, everything like that. And he understands the concepts of that system. He's only a fit, I think, for a, a, a system, you know, sort of like Zappy, but he's Carson Strong actually has the physical ability. Um, his, his arm doesn't preclude him from doing anything. Um, I, I would want him in an, in an air raid system. His legs aren't going to give you anything, um, but this is the crux of his evaluation because the people that are crazy low on him, they'll say that he has a debilitating knee injury, number one, and number two, that you know he, he also has a lack of mobility. I agree with the lack of mobility, but it, it, I, from what I have heard, the, the knee injury is not long-term debilitating. It's not degenerative and so uh as long as it's not we know that the knee injury last year affected his mobility he has also said and i I think this stands to reason because he rushed back from the injury and was wearing a knee brace all year that he's been able to throw harder uh or throw throw, you know uh with with a better base this season because last year there was more arm throw all arm throws because he didn't have a base because that right knee his plant leg was was injured so i you know I, i think that there's reasons to um, you know, to, to, to look at his evaluation in a more sunny uh, way than, than the pessimistic way that can flip it, flip, flip his value. Um, this is just a, a curiosity question. When you make your rankings, are they, are they purely just on the field? I, I assume they are, but like Carson Strong is a guy that we've heard that potentially has some character concerns, correct? I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't know what have you heard. Oh, I guess I just I, I I thought I heard from Tyler at one point that 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 Carson Strong had some some character concerns and people were a little bit concerned about his maturity, much like uh, our fellow Oklahoma guy over here, Kyler Murray. Um, and so I was just kind of wondering. Easy now. I just get back here and I hear Kyler Murray slander. I will not have it. And I will I, not have it. I appreciate the next round of beers, uh, Ryan. But um, yeah, I mean, if if if, if it's if it's not substantial, then we don't have to talk about it. But do you take on when you, when you consider your rankings? Do you consider, you know, maybe off the field situations? Sometimes it's 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 kind of hard because in if if you haven't heard that specifically from someone, you don't know the kid very well. Could be bullshit. Like um, Micah Parsons last year, um, his he had he had zero personality or off field issue in his first season. Um, sometimes it, it, it is an issue, right? Like Josh Rosen, there was whispers about that with him and, uh, those, you know, whether, you know, how, however the road ended for him, you know, the, the supposition being maybe that he wasn't invested enough in the sport. That was some of the whispers about him. So I, I think sometimes there's some truth in it. Um, sometimes it is the truth. Sometimes it's complete and utter bullshit and you just have to sort of parse through it based on what you know. And then you you read on the situation. If you don't, you don't know the kid. You can't be around him all the time. Who who is Smoke Monday? Why do I keep Smoke seeing, Monday? Why do I keep Auburn, seeing that maybe. name in the chat? He's, a, he's he? a safety, so again, we're going back to defense there. Um, Joseph really likes him. You know, I think he's a good like mid mid late round prospect. Yeah, yeah. As, as far as late round, you know, that all comes down to I think we would all agree the cornerback is the top need, right? And would we agree that safety? Safety is a, is, is a something that they should probably address, right? For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess it depends on how you feel about Cam Bynum. 
I'm okay with Cam Bynum, but I think I'd probably bring in competition for him. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just say, Cam Bynum looks to have promise. He yes. played well in his limited opportunity. The issue is, is that he hasn't shown that for a large sample size. Yeah. One and two, even if he does continue to play well, you still need that depth because yeah. we have Harrison Smith. We have Cam Bynum. We don't know what we have in Miles Doran. We don't know really what we have in Josh uh, Metellus. Yep. So, like, you need to bring some additional competition. Miles, I don't think Miles Doran plays a lot. Metellus, I know, does a lot of special teams work, yeah. which is great. I mean, you need that on your team. But you need another safety that if one of those two guys goes down, you have that that flexibility. And the, this class provides a lot of safety depth. That, that's for sure. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, specifically with the question of Smoke Monday, it's have the Vikings disqualified them themselves from that discussion by taking a safety before that. But outside of that, I, I like Smoke Monday just fine. I, I like the attitude he plays with. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's a feisty kid who gets after it. So I, you know, j- just like Roger McCreary is, you know, the guy that he played with. So I, you know, I'm, I'm down with both those guys. Dave, I'm going to need you to uh, get rid of that person in the chat here. Um, so let's let's shift our uh, our our conversation over to wide receivers and, and running backs here. Uh, yeah. Do you have a preference on which one you'd like to talk about first? No, dealer's choice. Oh my goodness. Well, let's 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 start with running back. Okay. Uh, we obviously have Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison coming up on his final year of his rookie deal, I believe. Okay. Uh, Kenny Wongu last year kind of impressed some people, special teams, and, and kind of filling in when. Uh, Cook and Madison were hurt. Yep. Um, but what are your thoughts on Dalvin Cook's brother, James Cook? Oh, well, I, I think with James Cook, the utility is as a receiver. I, I think initially coming into the NFL, you're looking at him as a third down guy. Whereas with, when Dalvin came in, as you guys remember, I mean, it, you knew that he had the the rush, the three down rushing ability, you know, where, where he's going to be on the, on the field every single down, even though, you know, w- with him, he, his athletic testing was a little bit down coming in. So he had to fight that narrative, but obviously he was everything that we wanted and more. I'm going to say the word we, but as far as James Cook, I, I think coming in uh, again, you're drafting him as a third down back. And then you're hoping that maybe you can get more utility out of him. But what he is is one of the better receiving backs in this class. So, I mean, that that's what you're drafting James Cook for if you want the receiving back for passing downs. Very good, very good. Hey, you know, I we were literally just talking about safeties, and and we have a we have a question in the in the chat. I know we just went to running backs, but you know, I, I do like to make sure that our our uh, listeners are being listened to and and being answered because you know we wouldn't be anything without you guys. So we really do appreciate that. Um, Game changer sixteen. I'm not sure who that is, uh, but asked a question about Hamilton. So obviously we have that safety talk, right? And there, there has been talk of Hamilton potentially sliding, maybe even a free fall, just given, you know, some of the uh, testing that happened at the combine that maybe was less favorable to him than what most people thought. Hypothetically, hypothetically, if Hamilton does fall, let's say to 12, and we're sitting there with Hamilton right in our laps, do you take him at 12 to be able to, uh, you know, kind of create that elite tandem of uh, Harrison Smith and, and Kyle Hamilton? You, Side question. Yeah. What's more likely, Hamilton falling or Thibodeau falling? Uh, definitely, definitely Thibodeau. Thibodeau's Thibodeau's definitely the has the better shot, I think, to fall. Um, and and, and would you take him at twelve over maybe a, a better need? Either one of them, absolutely yes. Yes. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. Either either of the two, if they get to twelve, you askew any other position need, and you sprint that card up. Unless you get a Godfather offer from a team below you, but. If that happens on either of them, that means the NF- the rest of the NFL has made a mistake. You make them pay for it if that happens. I feel like, uh, and he, I'm, I'm, 
I'm being a hypocrite here because I said Ryan would be the one to keep us on defense, <laughs> but I, I I feel like with uh with with Thibodeau, like what's happening with him? Because I feel like when I like started lightly looking into the draft this upcoming season, like Thibodeau was like supposed to be the number one guy, and Aiden Hutchinson kind of took it over, and uh, you know we've heard about Kyle Hamilton, and then we got some some left tackles and wide receivers, and next thing you know, it's we're talking about a free fall for 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 Kayvon Thibodeau, and yeah. it, so what's going on there? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I tend to think that this sort of goes back to the discussion we were just having about anonymous quotes, because that's that was the thing that started you know, doing him in, in, in this draft process where people were saying he lacked fire or, or some of this different stuff. Um, that's the stuff that I, with him, I think that, the, that it's bullshit. The, but the one thing where it's real is the Trayvon Walker ascendance. Trayvon Walker, well, first Aiden Hutchinson stole his spot in the pecking order by having a historically dominant season at the same position and then putting up a better athletic composite that I think uh, Thibodeau will be able to match. If he ends up doing all the tests, I'm not sure if he will. Um, and then you, so, so he passed him clearly. And then the other one was Trayvon Walker caught him up, caught up to him at the NFL combine. Thibodeau, I think, got some bad advice by stopping the testing at the 40 at the at the combine. He decided to sit out the rest of them. I think, you know, sort of like a poker. This is sort of like Evan Neal's decision. It's like a poker player who's got a really big stack in front of him. And it, it's not necessarily that Evan Neal thinks he's going to test poorly because Evan Neal's an athletic freak. It's that. Why would I gamble right now when I'm the presumed, you know, at that time heading into the combine, he was the presumed number one pick. I think with Kayvon Thibodeau, he made a, a determination in his head. I, you know, right now I'm, I'm edge too, and I'm, I'm going to sit on my lead. And it was a bad decision. Trayvon Walker has passed him. And, and, and there was productivity concerns, right? I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's creating a lot of pressures, but not actually sacking the quarterback a lot, especially last year. Um, what was the concern? Obviously he sat out the COVID year. Um, do you think that's playing a factor at all? Because for me, you know, I mean, you look at Daniel Hunter. I mean, he went through the same thing, right? Didn't create a lot of sacks, did have a lot of pressures, though. And that that made him slide to the third. Obviously, we're not going to see that with Thibodeau. But um, how much weight do they really put on on finishing, so to speak, versus the pressures? I think Thibodeau's, I mean, statistical profile is better than uh, Daniel Hunter's. Um, it, but the, the issue for Thibodeau was, um, this past, you know, the past couple of years was just getting on the field and staying on the field. And so that was, that played a part into it too. But I, you know, he, you talked about the pressures, the purse snap pressures by Thibodeau. To me, that tells the story um, in the similar way that it did with Daniel Hunter, even when the, the sacks weren't there. I think that's what you look at in, in college um, because you know, over time that they will convert into sacks, you know? So, um, and, and then as far as Thibodeau goes, like the, the North South explosion, um, the speed, like the power, the converting the speed to power, um, that is what his special sauce is. You know, it, it's sort of eerily similar to Judavian Clowney. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. And yeah. he, 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 and it was interesting at the at the combine. He, he, he got up at the podium and he said, you know, someone asked him, "Who do you comp yourself to?" And he said, "I'm Judavian Clowney 2.0." And 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 I was like, "Yeah, you, you really are." And then some other reporters were like. You know, sort of making snide remarks under their breath about, oh, does he know that Jadavian Clowney's not good? And it's like, well, you know, I mean, like the, the, the special sauce is the same. And at the peak of their powers, both of them are studs. Yeah, right. And, and again, sacks aren't the end all be all. If you're creating pressure consistently, that makes the quarterback's life hell. And and that's ultimately that's what you want. 
Um, I, I think we should transition back to offense because that's really where we're starting today. Um, one last defensive thing. Sorry, yeah. Matt. I'm so sorry. And again, hey, one let's, last... let's transition to offense, but wait, one more defensive uh, thing. You know, I'm awful. I'm awful. But again, you know, our, our chat is kind of leading the way here a little bit. We have Mateo calling you out. So we have Mateo saying that. What's Mateo say? Mateo, hey, I'm Mateo, sorry. Mateo is saying Mateo, that. Mateo, what did I do? Don't take McDuffie, slot corner, short arms and short. Stingley. T-Rex arms. Stingley. And then I think he has like four or five oh, greater up, than Mateo, signs. Mateo, Sorry. you don't like Stingley Mateo. So, I, I need you to. Well, he is an LSU fan. I do know he he's oh, a God. he's a consistent or a viewer of the show. Mateo, we appreciate you being here. Um, but he is an LSU stand. So address Mateo. Talk him well, into why you okay. think the way you think. Well, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to address uh, Mateo's main point of the of the slot corner thing. First off, you know, you're in your you're in your nickel defense in the NFL. What is it? 75 percent of the time you, your your slot corner first off is a starter on your team. And so the, this criticism of, of McDuffie that, that attempts to disqualify him as a top half of the first round prospect for being just a quote unquote uh, slot prospect. First of all, if he is a, just a slot cornerback, he's going to be one of the NFL's best slot cornerbacks from day one. And you can't tell me that he can't play on the outside in the NFL when he just it was in a power five conference and shut again, shut down the procession of the best wide receivers that they had to send to him. Did, by the way, Mateo, Derek Stingley, you know, since since the beginning of the, the, the you know, going back the last two seasons and he just barely played in 20 in, in 20, uh, 20, 20, 21 because of the, the foot injury. Derek Stingley in just I think it was four. It was either four or five more total targets than McDuffie gave up double the the receiving yards that McDuffie did or, or McDuffie might have even had more targets. But but Stingley got. Freaking torch, like d- 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 double the amount of production that, that McDuffie gave up in a similar amount of targets. Mateo, please come back next week, next week after Thor just buried you. Mateo, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mateo, I do love you. I just met you, and I'm a big fan of yours. <laughs> um, we have, uh, well, What's what's your evening look like, Thor? Are you good to go a little bit longer? Sure. All right. All right. All right. Hang on with you boys. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> Free beer at Lake Free Monster beer. Brewing. Yeah. Talking football. Absolutely. There's there's no better combination here. It's, it's actually the worst thing. Don't ever try this. <laughs> oh, by, by the way, Dave, uh, I don't, I don't know if I told you this. We have a huge huge crowd here tonight. Can you hear them? Holy shit! Yes, I can. It's packed. Here. It's packed. <laughs> um, and they just I just put my hands up and they just stopped. Um, we still got a few more running backs to go through and some wide receivers, and then we'll close out the show. Uh, we talked about James Cook. Um, let's talk about Isaiah Spiller, Texas A&M. Okay. Uh, probably what, day two, day three? Probably end of – I would say now at this point you're probably talking round three. Uh, I don't think he falls into round four, even though his testing profile, it hurt him for sure. Are, are, are there so, – so, I mean, he seems to be like a complete back, though. I mean, you watch, yes. his, you watch his yes. tape. I mean, obviously, he's not, like, going to spring off the page, so to speak, in terms of when you're watching that. Yes. But at the same time, he's very consistent. And, 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 and especially at a running back position, you're seeing a lot of these guys who aren't elite athletes, so to speak, or they're all elite athletes, let's be real. I mean, I, I would pale in comparison to them. But, you know, you, you see all these guys, and, and, and just because they're not athletic freaks doesn't mean they can't be productive in the NFL. Elijah Mitchell is probably a good, a good sign of that. Right? He played well last year, six-round pick. So, like, what? one, what's causing that fall a little bit? Is it just purely athletic testing? And two, do you think he can play better than his trap position is saying? 
Uh, yeah, but I do think a lot of it is athletic testing because he didn't. There's not one area of his game where it's like there's this one standout trait or there's one standout you know aspect of his game. The whole thing is the the well-rounded you know three down back sort of a thing. Um, and so like you know and he's he still is that right? Like he's a very skilled back. He spent a lot of time uh, you know being the bell cow in Texas A&M's offense. He, he can catch the ball. I uh, certainly run between the tackles. He's you know he's got a little bit of shake. Um, but yeah, I mean, he lacks the high end speed. He ain't going to break your ankles or anything, but he can make the first guy miss. Um, and he's got contact balance as well. So like he's going to be available at a discount comparison to coming into the draft process. Cause I think at that point you would have put um high second round to mid second round somewhere in there. I, I think at this point he, he's probably fallen to late second round and into the third round. I, I don't think he falls out of day two still, but we'll see. When I, when I watch him, I kind of see a little cream hunt. Um, and, and again, that's not a dig or a compliment. I mean, Kareem Hum coming, coming out of college, um, you know, he had some of those same concerns, but he's proven in the NFL that he could be a very valuable player. Uh, let, let's go to a couple later on guys, yeah. just because of the fact that we're likely not going to be looking at any running backs in, 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 you know, day two here. So a couple of, a couple of guys that again, in, I don't know where all these guys are going to end up falling, so bear with me a little bit. Sure. They might they might increase in, in draft value, but um, and, and I'm going to draw a blank in the name. But North Carolina running back Ty oh Ty Chandler Ty from, Chandler yeah, yeah. From Tennessee, yeah so he he seems to be like a guy that probably would fit in a complimentary role to Dalvin Cook. I think so. Yeah, I mean he he's a guy who has speed for sure. Um, he can catch the ball, um, and he showed some utility as a runner this past season. But the the, the speed is the thing that carries the day with Ty Chandler, um, and and you know he. He spent these years at Tennessee after signing as this ballyhooed recruit, and I think he made a really smart transfer decision going to UNC once they had lost Javante Williams and Michael Carter. So, yeah, I, I do think he could be a, a complimentary guy. Is it Kieran or Kyron Williams? Out of Kyron. Kyron? Yeah. What are your thoughts on him? Kyron Williams lost a lot of money at the NFL Combine. Nice. Um, he's he's one of the most skilled backs in this class. So as far as a receiver, as far as a pass blocker, as far as just honing your skills, you could tell that this guy, he has spent a lot of time in the film room. He spent a lot of time working on his, his footwork outside of that, et cetera. Um, you know, and catching the ball, everything like that. Like everything is just very smooth. It's just the athletic profile is not very good. He, he's on the smaller side and he's not athletic for a smaller sort of back. I, I think you can still project him as a third down back. Uh, because he 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 is a very willing blocker and a pretty dang good blocker despite his frame, um, and he also catches the ball pretty smoothly. Um, but I I don't think you can count on Kyron Williams to be anything more at this point. All right, last running back, and then we'll get to wide receivers because obviously that's the most exciting uh, position that we can talk about outside of quarterback. I feel like so um, have to go to my boy, Oklahoma Kennedy Brooks. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> so, I'm muting so, him quick. Oh, well, no, he muted. Kidding, he muted. All right, so so obviously, I watch I watch Kennedy Brooks film. <laughs> yeah, and I watch. I mean, I watch every Oklahoma game that I can, and it's very frustrating because you watch him, and it looks like he's playing in slow motion. But for whatever reason, he's extremely productive. PFF loves him, and he continues to turn out turn out productive years year after year after year. He sat out COVID year, but even last year in in 2019 with uh, sharing time with uh, Ramon uh, Stevenson. Mm-hmm. So. No, one again. Why does he look like he's playing in slow motion? Is it just is it the Le'Veon Bell effect? One and then two. Do you think that that style is going to be able to translate into the NFL? Yeah, I mean he's certainly a patient back for sure. Um, but I, I do. Yeah, I mean he doesn't have any. You know, the, the standout athletic trait isn't there. Like, like way worse than uh, than Isaiah Spiller, right? Like like yeah. athletically, he doesn't look like he's going to be the athlete Spiller is. But 
again, they're as productive as he's as productive as Spiller. Is. Yeah. And we're having a, we're having a conversation about athletic profiles for running backs as, as Vikings fans, when Delvin cook came in with a really poor one and Alexander Madison came in with a really poor one, but on the other side of it, Keenan Wangu was only drafted because of his, his profile. He was a guy who was stuck behind David Montgomery in college and then came out and just, just blew it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He followed. Yep. Yep. So, so you're saying Kenny Brooks, um, future all pro. I'm saying he's a Hall of Famer. I for love sure. it. I yeah. love it. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. When he, when he's being inducted in the Hall of Fame in what? I'm going to give the speech. 20 years. Just yeah. like Mel Kuyper gave the Hall of Fame speech for Mike Williams. <laughs> <laughs> um, any other running back names we should know about before we move to wide receivers? I would be remiss if I did not mention Tyler Goodson from Iowa. Um, I, I watched a lot of that kid in, in, in this college. This is a and, Homer take. I mean, come yeah. on. Who does Homer hey, takes on this show? That's ridiculous. Hey, Tyler Goodson, he's he's a, oh, so, so he's like, you know, Kyron Williams. I said he can do everything, but he just didn't have the athletic profile. Tyler Goods do everything. He's actually an awesome athlete. The only reason that people aren't higher on him is because, like I said earlier, Tyler Linderbaum was the only good Iowa offensive lineman last year. They also had a dog shit quarterback, and they didn't have any receivers that were any good. So, I mean, Tyler Goodson was a marked man behind four bad offensive linemen and Tyler Linderbaum. I mean, it gets worse than Nate Stanley? <laughs> yes, unfortunately it does. Spencer Petros was, was Nate Stanley if Nate Stanley lost the scope to his rifle. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't the Gophers lose to Iowa last year? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's let's shift uh, shift topics here. Our, our final topic of the night. Um, thank you all for sticking with us. It's, it's 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 a little bit of a longer show. We got a lot to 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 capture here to get you guys caught up to speed for the uh, the NFL draft here in just a little over. Uh, well, I guess it's a little less than a month now. Yeah, but notice because because uh, a month from today is day three, right? Yeah, the 30th? yeah, it'll be done by then. Oh my god, fans will be over. Literally one month from right now, the whole draft will be over. That's I just literally just thought of that. That's that's crazy. Everything you work towards is just done then it's, in a month. Then it's done, and then I turn to the next year. It's yeah. just yeah, <laughs> gone in the wind. How does know? that work for you when when you when you start looking at prospects again for for the next the next year? I would say like probably yesterday. <laughs> no, I'd say I, well, I mean, so it's different for me than other guys because a lot of other NFL draft guys, they cover the NFL first, you know, they follow the, the NFL first, whereas I cover college football all the time. So I got exposure to all the kids. I have, I have opinions on the kids. I've covered the kids every day, uh, you know, for my, for my, my job or whatever. But, um, you know, as far as like watching them more in depth, that's like middle of the summer, like where, you know, I'll start to like look at the all 22 cutups with the quarterbacks and then see how the receivers run. That's because you don't get to see that live. Right. Like, and I, I don't watch the cutups at any of the, the underclass and whatever, like up till then. So th- th- that's when I start to do that stuff. And then I get, you know, really nerdy with the Phil Steele and I start up my my new spreadsheet and. You know, it's like hope is renewed, you know, every spring, as they say in baseball. Do you have confidence right now to, to, to kind of give a hot take for the 2023 draft class? It's a whole a whole year away, but do you have enough enough confidence here to say something? Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I don't know that this is a hot take, but I, I think Alabama players will be the first two players taken. And I, I think uh, Bryce Young and, and Will Anderson are going to be the two players, first two players off the board. So and, don't, don't, don't be sleeping on Dylan Gabriel, new Oklahoma <laughs> transfer. Don't be sleeping on Marvin Mims. Or we have a mute button over here, and you can just click it, and it shuts off Ryan's microphone. We don't have to hear any of that anymore. Okay. Um, Sure. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) All right, let's let's shift gears here uh, to the wide receivers. I I highly doubt that Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi Adolfo Mensah take a wide receiver at 12. 
Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to it. You know, but you got Garrett Wilson there. I mean, he, he's there, right? Like, so, I mean, again, hypothetically, let's just do hypotheticals here. Um, McDuffie's gone. That's your boy. Stingley's gone. That's everyone else's boy. And obviously, Stingley's not going in the top 15 either way. Well, let, let's just say hypothetically Sorry, he does. Or, or we don't like if we don't <laughs> say we don't like him or he's gone. And obviously, Sauce Gardner's way gone, right? So there's no cornerback that maybe you're excited about at that position, right? Um, Walker's gone, Thibodeau's gone, uh, Hutchinson's gone, all the yep. main guys, right? Yep. So now Ryan wants to talk first round receivers. That's now, a, that's what he's trying to say well, here. I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not. I, it's not a need, right? I mean, obviously, you have you have uh, KJ Osborne who's played really well last year. You have Adam Thielen who's aging and he just signed a contract or uh, restructure that basically guarantees that he has to be here for another year, at least two years. Um, and plus my kid attends his football camp. So that's important uh, that he's still here. Um, so, so we're not, it's not a need, but if Garrett Wilson's there, Jameson Williams, obviously is hurt, but if he was healthy and he's there, there's gotta be a justification though, you know, think forward more than just next year in terms of the high quality of caliber these players are, right? Well, well. before I answer that question, I just have to say, you know, vis-a-vis your kid in, in the football camp. When I, was a kid, I went to John Randall's football camp, and the, <laughs> this is actually, it isn't going to sound like a joke, but it's actually true. It's sad, but it's true. The only thing on my dresser, I, I own a home, I you know, what, I, the only thing on my dresser, if you walked into my bedroom, the only thing is a picture of me and John Randall at the John Randall football camp. It's just, it's like the, the photo they give you when you, you, you leave the camp or whatever, you know, I was like 14 years old or 15 years old or whatever. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> hey, I'll, so, I'll, wow be here, I'll be here all week and don't forget to tip your waitresses. <laughs> the fans are ruthless here at Man, Lake Monster. Wow. So, so what is funny about that is, uh, so yes, we're doing some spring cleaning at home, right? And, um, you know, we, we just went through to clean our kids' room or my, my, my son's room. We just sold probably, I don't know, 2,000 or so Pokemon cards. And we were going through all his football cards. And one of them was Adam Thielen's signed card from that camp oh. and, and looked it up. It's probably one of the most valuable cards he owns. <laughs> so, yeah. which is cool. So, we're going to hold on to that one. But Absolutely. Uh, I, again, looking at the receivers yeah, here, yeah. Okay. it's important to, to, to you know, Hopefully, Quasi is a, the type of GM isn't just thinking about the now, but he's also thinking about the future. Yep. And in the future, we you know we we are going to have that need. Yep. Uh, Jefferson's going to get paid. We need to get cheaper at receiver, and we need to uh, think about the next phase after Adam Thielen. As hard as that is for Viking fans to hear, because of the local kid angle. Um, so, who are some of those guys that really excited? Well, so are we talking first round guys? Or are we talking we talking day two? Are we talking day three? We're let, let, let's start first round. We'll go day two, day three, or uh, we'll, we'll kind of run the full gamut. Ten. I got I got some names here for you later round. So let's let's yeah. start early. So so as far as far as Garrett Wilson, because I, I took it on an aside, I made it about myself as I typically do. Uh, Garrett Wilson, like I, I I actually in the Uber ride over here, I saw my my buddy Derek Brown had a had a comp where I, sometimes you see a comp where you do a chef's kiss he comped him to San Antonio Holmes and I was like that's that is that's pretty good you know he Garrett Wilson's a guy who he'll create separation just with the the footwork off the line the the explosion off of the line um and then and then he's he's a hard guy to deal with after he catches the ball you know that's what it is he he creates uh difficult angles for cornerbacks or defensive that then it's difficult to get the guy down. You know, he'll run through a lot of arm tackles and stuff like that because he's created a bad angle for the defender who's approaching him. Um, that's what I think of when I think of Garrett Wilson. Him and Olave are just about the best, the teammates, just about the best in this class at creating separation. Wilson's the guy who is better after the catch 
Uh, Olave is the guy who was better before the catch, in my opinion. Why is Olave like it's seemingly falling down draft boards? Because like, is, is it just because of the offense he's in? He's just kind of getting washed out. Because I feel like people aren't talking about as enough him enough as they should. I, I, I agree. I, I I don't understand. I got a Packer fan who's uh, as a friend who's just like. Yeah, keep sleeping on him and let him fall to the freaking Packers, and he'll thrive oh, here. Yeah, we, we we do not want we do not want Chris Olave on on the to, to fall that far. You know, for them to get him there, but they can even trade up for him. Like if he falls late teens, man, we're screwed. They'll go get him. Yeah, I mean the I don't really understand the pessimism. With, well, I shouldn't even call it pessimism. It's more like the thing of the guy's been at the top of the list for so long that you start to nitpick things about his game. He answered the athleticism questions at the combine ran in the four threes. Um, so, so that's not as big of a deal. We know that he's the best route runner in this class. So, so he got them things going for him. It's just, you know, and, and, and also, you know, I mean, the route goes all the way down the field. He can make plays all the way down the field. He's just, you know, going back to what I just said about Garrett Wilson being better after the catch and Olave before the catch. Olave goes down at contact. The one thing he lacks is play strength. And, the supposition of people that don't like him as a top twenty pick, I, I'm not, I'm not one of them. But the the, the thing that they think disqualifies him from being an NFL star is that is that play strength because they think he's going to get bowled over and you know against cover two with the corner, you know, the defensive back crashing down and playing forward or whatever, where he's not going to be able to hold on to the, um, you know. I, he did enough in college where I'm not concerned about that stuff. And he's going to create the separation, I think, where he's going to be running in space a little more. But that, that's the concern about Chris Olave. Are we seeing similar, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but are we seeing similar like criticisms to Olave as we were to Jefferson at one point? Um, well, with Jefferson, it was more that he had, you know, the, the year where he really, he, he was a really interesting case because. The, the year before his last year, he was the number one receiver and had like double the, the catchers of the wide receiver too playing on the outside. It's just that offense was the vestiges of the old Les Miles offense, like the pro style, like paint drying, you know, boring offense or whatever. And then the next year when they, you know, they became like the Joe Cool team or whatever, and they were going, you know, four or five wide, that's when he was playing the slot. And so it was a bit different because the, the nitpicks on his profile coming out was he can't create separation as an outside receiver, which in hindsight, was not fair. Um, with Olave, we know that he can create separation. It's just, does he have that play strength? Are we still on first round, first round guys, or are we, are we moving on to day two guys? I thought this was our second round. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Ryan went and got us some more beers here at Lake Monster Brewing here. I'm basically Paul, a bartender here, Saint server, Paul, whatever you want to call it. I hope I get tipped tonight. But um, so a day two guy that I'm yeah. really excited about, probably a third rounder, I would assume, Alec Pierce. So, again, tested athletically off the charts, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Feldman Freak Cluster multiple when, times over. You Feldman Freak yep. Cluster, yep, that's right. And and, and you watch tape and – it validates, I think, everything that we're, you know, that his athletic testing says. Um, there are obviously some concerns, right? He's had some drop issues and whatnot. But you look at him, I, I look at him as the heir apparent to Adam Thielen, and not just because he's white, but like because of the fact that he plays the position almost in a similar way, right? Like a solid route runner, probably not as um, fine tuned as Thielen is, but. Te- testing athletically, I think he's even more athletic than Thielen, which, again, everyone listening, you know, Thielen's very athletic. Like, like yeah. I, you know, I know that you watch him and you see him, like, uh, run these great routes and whatnot and, and, and creates that separation that way. But, like, st- straight line, I mean, he runs a 4-4, 4-4-2, I think it was. 
So, like, I mean, Thielen's athletic and, and, and Pierce is that uh, that way as well. A little taller, 6'3", 200 or something like that. So, um, to walk me through Alec Pierce, your evaluation. I'm a big fan. So he, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna evoke a different receiver with deep Minnesota roots for you. I was about to say Wes Welker, and then I pulled back. Nope, Eric Decker. I, I think he is Eric Decker with more speed. You know, Eric Decker did the thing where he was, he was constantly, he was able to, to, to excel with a higher A dot, win down the field, but he didn't have like the elite, elite speed. I, I, I think Alec, Alec Pierce wins in a similar way. But he has the speed to, to, pop, to pop the top off an NFL defense. We know this to be true. It's confirmed by this point. I think you'll see him win in similar ways to Eric Decker at the next level. He might just have a little bit more upside because he can he can take the top off the defense with that speed. And Eric Decker was, I mean, phenomenal for a few years, especially with yes. that man, com- competent quarterback play. I mean, if you're playing with Tebow, of course, you're not going to be that great. So, <laughs> yes. um, And that's a shout-out to Matt Athey if you're listening. Tebow's trash. Um, so... So, yeah, I'm really excited about Alec Pierce, another guy that uh, is in kind of that mid-round conversation that that I find interesting. Again, I, when I look at the Vikings' needs at that position level, right, I'm not only looking for a quality player with some speed and size because, you know, you look at like Wandale Robinson, I think is his name, um, and yeah, and, Cal, and Calvin Austin. You know, they're, they're littler guys, right? So you, you have a little concern there. Uh, another guy that I think has some speed to him is Romeo Dupes, Dubs. Yes. So, yes. so walk, Nevada. Yep. Yeah. So walk me through him uh, and and what he does for an offense. Um, well, so as far as Romeo Dupes, he's like he's he's the prototypical outside receiver that you're looking to stretch the defense. The one concern that I have about him was in college in the in the Mountain West Conference, he could take the top off the defense with Carson Strong. Um, we saw him move more sluggishly during the pre-draft process than we were hoping to. And so the one concern you have with him is, is, is the best utility that he had in college. Is he athletically capable of translating that to the NFL? And if not, he's going to have to become the Renaissance man and become a whole new kind of receiver. So, so that would be my question about him. Who, who is the other guy we were talking about? Uh, honestly, that, that's, oh. who, that's who I wanted to go into. Obviously, I, I brought up Wandale Robinson and yeah. uh, so Calvin I, Austin because they're smaller guys with speed and they can, you know, you know, maneuver and win that way. But they're yes. smaller. And I personally, I'm I'm biased to these five, eight, five, nine receivers. But, but to walk walk the you know the listeners through that because you know they they might be able to um, you know do what Tyree Kills is doing, and I just don't know enough about them. So like the the Rome, so. Uh, in, in my opinion, like a Romeo Dupes type that, that's, that's a little bit better is like Jalen Tolbert. That's, that's the round three version of that that I would take. Um, the other two guys, Wandale Robinson, you know, he came over from Nebraska, went to Kentucky, and um, he is, he, he's just a chain mover. Like he, he's just he money in the bank, reliable out of the slot. Um, he's a tough runner, you know, after the catch. Maybe not quite as tough as Lynn Bowden, who would like get in a fist fight with you if you could take him down. But like he he's in that sort of phylum. That's what Kentucky was attracted to, um, and, and so I I like him a lot. I, I think he's a second round prospect. He proved that he you know is a solid athlete as well, at least over the threshold. Um, you know, as far as the type of player that he is, and then the other one, Calvin Austin, he put up essentially an identical athletic profile to Tyree Kill. I mean, you basically cannot tell them apart. Uh, Kelvin Austin, he is lightning in a bottle. If Tutu Atwell went last year in the second round, Kelvin Austin must go in the second round because he's just as athletic and he's a better player. But but is that fair to kind of compare anyone to Tyreek Hill? It, no, it's not at all. But 
speed kills and NFL teams prioritize it during the process. And the fact that the Kelvin Austin proved what we had seen on tape vis-a-vis that, I think that's what punches his ticket into the second round. Uh, let me ask you about a name here, which which is one that I've seen in the chat tonight by uh, your guy, Mateo, by Mateo. the way. And uh, my I've, best friend, I've also I've also DM'd you about him and, and we've had a, a, a couple conversations about it. But Sky Moore, tell me about oh, yeah. him, uh, how he would fit with the Vikings, where he's going to go. So Sky Moore is one of those that made a lot of money during the pre-draft process um, because he proved all the questions about his athleticism. You know, sometimes just with the small school guys, maybe you don't give them the credit because of the helmet that they're wearing or whatever. But that was the question with him coming in. Did he have the athletic profile? The the next question for him is something that we can't answer during the pre-draft process. And that's this is ostensibly what I figure is going to happen in the NFL, that he is going to become a a full-time slot receiver. Um, at Western Michigan, he was an outside receiver, which the, the cool thing about that was we can see that he can beat any cornerback, at least that he faced in college, off of the line. His footwork is spectacular. His releases are spectacular. And as an re- outside receiver, even in the, these sort of uh, 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 positions where he was going to get jammed or whatever, he could always get away and he was into his route very quickly. So um, tremendously productive guy. I, I think he is the better prospect than Caleb Ellaby. You know, some people really like Caleb Ellaby as quarterback in, in college. I think Sky Moore helped out Caleb Ellaby quite a bit. Um, I, I got a few more names here. I haven't seen them in the chat, but uh, let, let's just go through them to close out the show. Uh, Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. Yeah. Yeah, Jahan Dotson. We, we were talking about KJ Hamler. I don't know if that was earlier in the show or off there. I, I forget, but like, um, Jahan Dotson is a better prospect than KJ Hamler was coming in more, you know, coming out of the same school, but more well-rounded. He's extremely sudden, extremely sudden, very explosive. Um, and, and you can get him the ball basically anywhere within 10 yards and he's going to make a play. You want to hit him in the hands when he's moving at full speed, however that goes, you know, he, he's one of these receivers that the Duns would be looking at to get, you know, around to a, if they hadn't made the trade, I, I think he's a guy that you hit on the hands doing the crossers across the middle of the field. He's going to do some damage. Um, and one other that came through through Mateo, too, is Justin Ross. Obviously a phenomenal freshman yeah. season, maybe Derek Stingley-esque, right? Yeah. Never really grew from that. Where is he going, and uh, do you like his fit here? So, with, with I mean, if, 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 if I'm the Vikings medical so, – so if I'm Kwesi and, and my medical staff comes to me and at least gives me the – Justin Ross is not medically disqualified. We think that he, his, there's nothing about what we see right now that is going to disqualify this guy from having a 10 year career. I roll the dice on round three. Why not? Like this is a guy like as a freshman coming out, that was an absolute stud. He was supposed to be the next Mike Williams, not the Mike Williams that I referred to earlier in the show, which is the USC <laughs> one when I was making the Kuiper joke, but, but, but the Clemson, uh, Mike Williams and Mike Williams, as you guys remember, he had a very similar injury to Justin Ross. So you can't, you, you know, coming out of the same school, a receiver that wins in the same way. So you cannot disqualify Justin Ross. I just think like the access to the data, I don't have it because a lot of that stuff is medical. And, and, and I did not stay in a holiday Inn express last night, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I, I, a fellow climb in the pocket member, Daily Norseman member, Chris or Eric Thompson. Uh, he hosts uh, Viking hot takes on Thursdays with Flip Mozzie. He's a huge NDSU guy. Um, yeah, yeah. You had Christian Watson uh, mocked to the Vikings a couple couple mocks ago. Was it your first one? Probably. Yeah. Um, tell us about tell us about Christian Watson. Uh, where expect him to go? 
when I when I was mocking uh, Christian Watson to the Vikings in the second round, that's what you call hoping to manifest reality. Um, hey, speak it to, into existence, Thor. Speak it into existence. By, by the way, another big NDSU fan in the local media, Arif Hassan, huge NDSU. Fan. Is he really? Yes, he is. Huh. He is an NDSU fan, as, as as Mr. Thompson would know. He didn't talk about that when we hung out with him a month ago or whatever. Maybe it's just so personal to him. He wasn't able to like <laughs> <laughs> share with us in that way. Fair enough. Yeah. But you know, as far as um, it, it, with Christian Watson, is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, as far as with Christian Watson, I mean, at this point, uh, you know, he is, I don't think he's going to be available when the Vikings pick in the second round. Uh, he certainly has locked himself into the top 50 at this point. He may have locked himself into the top 40, um, and he, by definition, is knock, is knocking on the door of the first round. When I did my my three-round mock uh, last week for NBC Sports, I put him – so I had him to the Texans, I think, at 36 or 37. Um, I, but Kansas City, they, they had the 29th pick. I had them taking Traylon Burks, but, man, did I think about that for a long time, what, whether to put Watson to the Chiefs or whether to put Burks. And I, I ended up going the way that I did. But in my next mock draft, Chris, Christian Watson might be in the first round. Um, I got – like three more names, but Ryan, do you have anybody else that you want to talk about from a wide receiver perspective? Um, you know, not necessarily a name per se. I, you know, honestly, I just want to address one other comment here in the in the chat. We have Dinesh. Uh, appreciate you, Dinesh. You tune in, I think, multiple shows because I tune into some of our other shows, and you're usually in the chat. So I really appreciate you tuning in to Climb in the Pocket. Um, he, he had mentioned, you know, something in the fact of, you know, we have, you know, JJ, we have Adam. Uh, KJ Osborne, ISM, right there. Um, Amir Smith, Marset. Yeah, yeah, Iowa. There My you boy. go. That's your boy. Um, Kansas or Iowa? Like both. Oh it was goodness. it was undergrad and, and graduate school. I well, hey, I hey, fair hey, enough. Congratulations fair enough. on Kansas being Texas, by the way. You, you know, I hate Texas. So um, anyway, <laughs> oh <my God>. um, <laughs> um, Dinesh, you're right. Right, we have we have some talent at the position. The issue is is that Thielen's what thir- uh, he's about my age because I think he was a grade younger than me at MSU, um, and and you know he's getting older because I'm getting older, and he's been injury riddled a little bit more over the recent years, um, and he's expensive. I mean, you look at that contract. Uh, uh, restructure that he just went through that was posted today. You know, obviously we're locked in for him with an, uh, for him uh, another year for sure, maybe two, but we need to start planning beyond that because once he were able to get off, uh, get, you know, get him off the books, JJ is going to be making 35 probably a year at that point in time. So we need to find some young, cheap, high quality talent. So JJ is not, you know, triple teamed every time. So that that's why we were talking early round receivers at this point in time, because KJ Osborne isn't going to be that he's a solid wide receiver three. And we love that, but he's not going to be able to take a wide receiver two job. In my opinion, ISM, he showed some promise last year. And if he can continue to grow this year, that's great. But I'm not going to bet on that because he went to Iowa and Iowa usually sucks at receivers. I, I'm not even dating that with a comment. I'm dating with a response. ISM is the man. Like, All right. so, yeah. so Ryan didn't give you any names to talk about, but I'll give you a few here. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Jahan Dotson. George Pickens out of Georgia. Yeah. What do you think about him? Yeah, George Pickens, is he's one of the uh, most, how would you put it, most diligent uh, blockers in the class. He, he's actually excited to go and hit someone. Um, and he's got thunder in his hands too. And he's one of those guys that'll knock down a defensive back and then look at the sidelines and start wolfing at him, which I just love and it happened many times in college. Um, the, so you have that, but, but the bigger thing is the utility is 
it's it's the the rich man thing. What were you talking about with you know Romeo Dubes or Jalen Tolbert before? He's the pop, the top guy. And you saw when when he was healthy in 2020 when he's playing with JT Daniels, a guy who his game is led by the D ball. George Pickens flourish. You know he he looked to be one of the better receivers in this class this past season when he came back. It was off an injury. You know while Georgia was doing their playoff run. And it was he was working with a scrambling noodle armed quarterback in Stetson Bennett that didn't have the, the arm to get him the ball down the field. I got I got two more names for you. And by the way, I I, I see your comps on your computer yeah, screen yeah, over here, like and I see a Stacy Coley. Who does that relate to? <laughs> well, let's see where, where is that one. So Stacy Coley was uh, is that Velas Jones? Yeah, yeah, that's Velas. <laughs> yeah, I got I got Velas I mean, Jones out of Tennessee, right? Yeah, Bela shows for Tennessee. Yeah, you, you know I put out the Thor five hundred every year with five hundred comps. So I I got I start early and I I go off and yeah, I, I got I got so many comps That's here. That's what she said. <laughs> I got all the comps you need. Um, I got I got two more wide receiver yeah. names for you: Khalil Shakir out of Boise State and Calvin Austin out of Memphis. Yeah, so Khalil Shakir is a guy like he was you know very productive over a long period of time at Boise. Um, a guy that, you know, at the NFL level, he's going to project as a slot receiver. He did play a little bit outside with Boise State as well, but he certainly has experience in the slot. Very skilled receiver. He's very skilled. The, the one question that you had about him, you know, outside of being, you know, his projection being confined at the slot, the next level was drops. He, he dropped the, an excess amount of balls last year. Yes. And so, like, you know, that was one thing specifically that I was looking at at the senior ball was, you know, how are the hands and everything like that? He acquitted himself very well there, um, you know, for whatever it's worth. You know, I mean, he did have the drops last year, but I, I think as far as, as an NFL starting slot receiver, I think he's going to be that. Um, uh, again, I do have one last prospect, and then we probably should wrap up because we're we're going on an hour and a half. Yeah, but and he, we did talk to Calvin Austin earlier, by the way. So maybe you should just listen to Seth drinking so much. That's fine. <laughs> just joking. But, but that, that's fine. Uh, have you released your wide receiver rankings yet? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Okay. I was I was gonna call out what comp you have for uh, Khalil Shakir, but I, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. I'll leave it. That's, that's, um, that's, you, you don't like that one. Oh wow! I, I do like that one. Oh, you do like that. Yeah, I do. You can you can feel free to tell the people. No, that's your that's your work. You tell people what your comp is for. Khalil it would Shakir. be my honor if you would introduce my comp for Cleo Shakir to the people. Thor, do it. So so Thor's uh, comp for uh, for Cleo Shakir is uh, Amon Saint. I'm on with Sam Brown. I already fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again, Thor. I'm on with Sam Brown. Thank God. Yeah. All right. I do have him in Dynasty, and I, and I loved what he did with Detroit last year. So if, if that's a late guy that the Vikings could snag, um, I think that would be really beneficial to us. I think so. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, 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 I'm Again, I from what I've read, it's probably third round-ish, you know, third, fourth. Um you guys just want some receivers, sleepers, just rapid fire? Well, yeah, do it. Kyle Phillips, UCLA, slot can find yeah. oh, Hey, hey. You, you don't like Kyle Phillips? Why do you like Kyle Phillips? Yeah, mute him. Um, Eric Ezukama from Texas Tech, the athletic profile is there. He, he even did plays out of the backfield in college. He's, he's never had a quarterback. He didn't really have anybody around him, but I, I like Ezukama a lot. I think there's something to work with there. Bo Melton. If Bo Melton Bo had Melton. Got, if Bo Melton had gone to Alabama, they would have a statue of Bo Melton right now, like <laughs> in Tuscaloosa. Like Bo Melton was an awesome receiver in college. It's just that he didn't have a court. He wasn't playing around Rutgers, anybody. Or Rutgers. I mean, yeah. yikes! Yeah. You, 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 you watch his all twenty-two. Bo Melton is always open. He's always open. He just doesn't have a quarterback to shuttle him the ball. So he he would be another guy. 
Uh, Taquan Thornton was before he he tested so well, so he he is probably out of day three. So I can't consider him that anymore. But uh, a couple guys. So so John Mechie, he he got hurt, right? Uh, I hear a lot of I've read a Jameson lot of Williams just, is, it was the was the torn ACL. They both. They, I yeah. mean, well, uh, Mechie got hurt in the SEC championship, yeah. right? And I think it was I can't remember what it maybe ACL as well. Um, but. He he he's obviously a separator in college, right? But I, I'm seeing a lot of com- um, not comps, but I'm seeing a lot of concerns that he's maybe peaked and he's not athletically as gifted as some of these other guys. Do you have a comp for Mechie one, and then the last guy I want to um, you know maybe hear a little bit about is Michael Woods the second, the last <laughs> guy. The last guy you're going to do at Oklahoma is just well, all I mean, the Oklahoma I, I is to, it's, it's it's almost yeah. too fitting at this point. Oh, oh, look at who I got. This, this actually might be too too good for Mechie. I, I I might have to toggle that down a little bit, but oh boy, would you like to would you like to say that one? Yeah, John Mechie's player comp uh, by Thor Nystrom here is Nate Burleson. That's so. what I, that's what I got that's right good. now. That's pretty good. It, it is pretty good. The, the, I saw somebody say Ryan Broyles with an, another Oklahoma great, and you just comp everyone to Oklahoma. No, players. no, that wasn't me. I, that was PFF. PFF did that. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, so the, the thing with Mechie is he's very reliable in, in the short area. The, the bad thing about him is you don't have any of those standout athletic traits like you do with, with Jamison Williams. And so it's going to become like, do we want a shuttle to shuttle slot guy that, that isn't crazy, crazy athletic? Are we going to use a third round pick on that or, a, you know, wherever he's in late second or wherever he's projected to go right now? That would be my only concern with John Mechie. But the reliability, it, it's absolutely there. The utility is there as far as that goes. All right, we Dave, we just got the uh, the uh, the battery signal that we need to wrap this show up. So, uh, Thor, before we let you go, any like just overarching thoughts on the upcoming draft? Any names that you just need to get off your chest to the fans for Vikings fans? Uh, whether it's your 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 inner Iowa, uh, you know, cheerleader or Kansas cheerleader or whatever it is, is there anybody you want to tell us about? Before we let you go, oh man, uh, not a ton of guys to talk about as, as far as the rest of those. But uh, we we didn't talk about Malik Willis, and I love Malik Willis. So I I did I did hear you on uh, I think it was K Fan with Paul Charchi yep. the other week. You, yep. you gave uh, Malik Willis a a, a pretty good um, advertisement. I, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in, 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 I cut him a promo. Yeah, yeah, he should pay you once he gets drafted because. <laughs> Um, I was listening to uh, to to Kuiper and McShay, and, and and they are very adamant. Uh, Willis should not be a top ten pick. Uh, um, they're adamant to be wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I saw I saw an alert earlier today where they were both like gleefully being like, "Oh, Kenny Pickett is a better quarterback prospect than Malik Willis." In what effing reality? In what reality are you going to take a shuttle to shuttle guy that doesn't have any singular trait that can beat a defense over a guy who? is essentially the, the right-handed Michael Vick in terms of his ceiling. It's the same arm strength. It's the same athletic profile. I, You're not paying attention to that. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's that, that opinion doesn't make any sense to me. What is the likelihood that uh, Malik Willis he gets within Justin Fields' range of the Vikings? Are you still, oh. are you still adamant that he goes number two to Detroit? Well, I, I mean, it's not like I'm saying it's a lock, but that's that's what I would lean right now. That's certainly what I had in my last mock draft. I, I, ain't, I ain't getting off it right now. But, the, I mean, the, the Detroit pick, 
that is open. I mean, that, that is wide open. I mean, even, even with their, their, their beat reporters, everything like that, like nobody knows what Detroit's going to do right now. They, they've been very cagey. But um, I would take Malik Willis if I was them. Absolutely. What do you got to lose if you're Detroit and you've been a dumpster fire franchise for the last 30 years? What are you actually risking? You only have something to gain at that point, in my opinion. My last question. You prefer the term bazooka or piss missile? Bazooka for sure. Because piss missile is stupid. Yeah. And whoever uses it, please it, stop. Yeah, oh, Tyler, Tyler, shots fired just, at Tyler. Just knock here. it off, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> Thor, uh, I uh, I appreciate you coming on tonight's show. Uh, I, I love, I, I know we did this show a year ago and we were all virtual, COVID, uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. This is 10 times better. It's way better. Uh, beer. Right? I'm, I'm sitting right next yeah. to you, uh, and and I hope I hope that you can find time to join us for our climbing the pocket draft show Friday, April 29th. We'll be right here. We'll have this banner behind us. We'll have all these fans in front of us. Hold, hey, guys, guys, well, guys, hey. guys, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, we'll have all those fans in front of us uh, for that show. So, but before come I come early for seating, trust that, me on this. Yes, absolutely. Um, but before I let you go, is there anything that the fans listening? whether it's right now live on YouTube or for the podcast yeah. uh, in the coming days uh, that they should look forward to from you. I mean, you just released uh, uh, one of your rankings. Is there something coming up? Yeah. So my, my quarterback rankings are dropping all of this week. Uh, check NBC sports edge for that. And you can find me on Twitter at Thor KU for Kansas rock chalk forever. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and watch Kansas on Saturday in the final four. And root for them, please. I am free this Saturday if you want to hook up. And yeah, uh, hook up is a, is yeah. a weird phrase. Well, we're not going to hook used, up. But, but we'll but watch we the <laughs> link, <laughs> link up is the term. I think link, link was the correct term. Um, with that being said, uh, Ryan, thank you for co-hosting tonight. Thor, thank you for joining us. For the fans here tonight, okay, 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 okay. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, if you have not yet, please subscribe to Climb in the Pocket and join us April 29th for our live draft show here at Lake Monster in St. Paul, Minnesota. What's up, Ryan? And of course, thank you, Dave. I know, you know, we didn't give you a lot of screen time or I guess voice time today. Thank you for all you're doing. Um, you know, we really appreciate that as well. That's OK. Absolutely. Who has the best beard on this show between me and Dave, would you say? Whoa, 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 whoa. Between you two, look at this beard <laughs> over here. Come on. <laughs> right out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, think, I think Dave's D- got Dave us all wins, beat Dave, us. Dave wins for sure. Okay. <laughs> Dave definitely wins. I just wanted to be put in the same sentence as his beard. <laughs> From a... <laughs> From a from a Vikings happy hour perspective, we will be back next Wednesday. Unfortunately, I'll be at my house doing the show. I've I've kind of enjoyed being here at Lake Monster because of the free beer and and whatnot. But we will be back next week with Daniel House of Gopher Guru. Uh, I think the Gopher Pro Day is either the end of this week or early next week, so we'll have that to recap. Um, plus, a bunch of other draft things coming up. Plus, after. Uh, after um, you're screwing me up here. Um, after Daniel House next week, we have Chrissy Freud of uh, NBC Sports. Yeah, the uh, draft. It, it, I don't know. She she does a bunch of different things, but she's going to hop on our show, talk about quarterbacks, talk about some draft stuff. Uh, we we have you absolutely loaded. So thank you for yeah, that. By the way, you got. It. And, of course, make sure that if you are local here to the Minnesota area, you're hitting up your local liquor store. They don't have Lake Monster beer, uh, beer, 
brewery beer, you should uh, tell them to get some. And if they do, make sure you buy it. It's delicious, and uh, we really appreciate them uh, sponsoring this show tonight. It is delicious. I can vouch for that. Yeah, you still got a full beer that you need to pound. <laughs> uh, I'll get there. With that being said, thank you, everybody. Dave, take us home, and we appreciate you. Well, like everybody said, night two of the draft is at Lake Monster Brewery. But, folks, we're going to be here for all three days, live coverage, wall to wall, and we want you to join us for that. Now, for Climbing the Pocket the rest of the week, there is no Viking hot take tomorrow night. I know, it's sad. Breaks my heart. Also, for two old bloggers, myself and Darren, we will not be on Saturday. We are bumping the show 24 hours, and we will be on Sunday instead. So Sunday at 4 o'clock Central, you get myself and Darren Campbell for two old bloggers. Then we start everything back over again next Monday. What do we say, guys? Skull Vikes. Skull Vikes. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.